Welcome to the Future Is Podcast, where we meet the people shaping what's next in technology, business, and beyond. I'm your host, Bill Kirkus, Chief Marketing Officer at Honeywell. Hi, everyone. In this episode, we're joined by our Chief Inclusion and Diversity Officer, Kia Dunlap, to discuss her career and insights on building a workplace and a workforce that embraces diversity and fosters inclusion. What an interesting topic. Welcome. Thanks, Bill. Glad to be here. So I guess we'll start with a simple question. Tell us about your role at Honeywell. Sure. So let me first begin by just saying it is truly an honor, right, to be the first chief inclusion and diversity officer in the company. We have been on our IND journey at Honeywell for some time. So I've come in where a lot of great work has been started already, and we have some really positive momentum in a lot of areas. But to be the first in this role at this particular time in history is really quite special and it's different. I think the efforts that we're driving now will have a lasting impact on our customers and communities and teams. So my role is about developing strategies and programs and connections in a data-driven way that will help to foster a workplace and workforce where people can be themselves and see themselves. You know, we know because we have the research that bears this out when people can show up authentically and work in an environment where they feel they belong and can grow, that they're going to give us more and create better and more innovative solutions for our customers. Inclusion and diversity is a foundational principle at Honeywell, which simply means that we work to embed Um, IND, inclusion and diversity, into every single thing that we do, um, into the fabric of our company so that it doesn't feel like an initiative, you know, with a start and a stop or one more thing on a long list of to-dos. It's just the way that we work. So this is kind of a relatively new area or career for for Fortune 100 companies, for sure. What is your day-to-day, I would imagine it's very diverse, for lack of a better word, what is your day-to-day work life like? So a day in the life for me is because we are embedding IND everywhere, I spend time in every corner of the business with colleagues and leaders trying to understand more about who they are as people and what they do in support of our customers to ensure we're fostering that kind of environment where they can be themselves and do their best work. So much of my time is spent with our talent teams, our employee networks, our learning and development team, curating content that stimulates ideas and drive behavior that's going to stick, supplier diversity, lots of one-on-ones with people. Um, I call it Talent Tuesdays. That's where I really try to dedicate time for for one-on-ones. The other thing that I really like about this role too, Bill, is that it's very external facing. So I spend quite a bit of my time with our global diversity and community partners. And I also spend time talking with my peers in other companies. So benchmarking best practices and getting the benefit of some of their lessons learned as well. Yeah, it's gotta be a great part of the job. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, we all try to help each other, right? And we feel like we're in this together. And if we're able to make progress individually, then that's going to drive progress across the whole. So you, the career and the focus now is, is somewhat of an emerging area, right? The last maybe five, 10 years or so where global 1,000 companies are finally emphasizing diversity and inclusion much more than in the past. But walk me through your career. What did you do three, five years ago? How did you start? How did you get into HR? 
Sure. So I actually attended undergrad at Tuskegee University. It's a historically black university in Alabama, southern part of the United States. And I majored in political science. So at the time, I thought I was headed to law school. However, I interned with General Electric, uh, did three summers in their benefits department in HR, just earning some money for, for college with a good company, and fell in love with, with human resources. And so over the course of uh, several years, almost 20 years or so with, with GE, uh, supporting multiple business units and uh, different parts of their business, it really afforded me the opportunity to, no pun intended, have this diversity of experience in, in different parts of their, their organization. And so that's how I got my start in HR, supporting those different business units. I also had the opportunity to spend quite a bit of time in talent management, talent development. Um, I worked for almost three years as a chief diversity officer for one of their major uh, divisions, came to Honeywell in April of, of 2021. Very cool. So, I mean, a, a key part of this whole thing is sense of belonging, right? And I, I would imagine if, if you have that sense of feeling or belonging, you're much more productive, you're much more innovative as, a, as an individual, but as a team. So walk me through kind of what, what advice would you give to you know people like me who manage a big team or anyone that is a leader or a, a manager? What are some of the strategies or things we should think about in terms of DNI, but just also just kind of the sense of belonging as a team? It's a great question. I'm I'm a fan of stay interviews. You've probably heard of exit interviews that typically happen when someone leaves the company. You ask them about the factors that contributed to their decision. And if they had any feedback um, about things that we could do better or differently. But stay interviews take place hopefully long before you get to that point and center around questions like what keeps you here? Uh, what do you enjoy most about your role in our company? What would cause you to consider leaving? And then as importantly, what can I as a manager do to better support you? I'm also a fan of voice of the employee surveys and listening sessions. But basically, I'm a fan of leaders getting to know people on their teams as people through multi-directional methods of communication. So not just tops down, but up and down and across the organization as well. I think that's one of the most important responsibilities of, of being a leader is listening. But I'm also a fan of if you ask for feedback, Bill, you should be <laughs> prepared to do something with it. Contemporary leadership is not about command and control anymore. It's about empathy and trust. Leaders are people too. And I, I find that leaders who show a bit more vulnerability and truly treat people with respect are able to create the, you know, those stronger connections with their team and create more stickiness to their organization. It's interesting because I taught from you the stay interview concept too. And it's not some, you know, you have to schedule a one-on-one. -on -one, it's going to be a half hour. You need to bring a PowerPoint, right? It's literally just at the right time, right? Talking to your folks and saying, hey, what, what makes you stay? What makes you like Honeywell? And what makes you stay here as, you know, at the company? And it is, it really is a fascinating conversation you have and such a difference than trying to scramble to get the exit interview of, oh my gosh, why did you leave? Yeah, I totally agree. And by then it's, it's too late, right? You're not able to really meet people where they are and, and, and do any of those interventions that might make a real difference to them. Uh, so it's really important that you are having those ongoing conversations over the course of the year to make sure that you are responsive um, and, and frankly, proactive. Um, in a way that that's meaningful to that particular employee on a personal level. 
So there's an there's an area that's fascinating to me, and and we all go to seminars or events or meet people that you just it strikes you and you you know you remember it. And the topic is unconscious bias. And I went to a seminar, gosh, I want to say six seven months ago, where there was just a deep discussion about that from uh, a couple of great leaders, and it has just stuck with me. Explain what that is, and then kind of why is it so important to think about bias, you know, consciously and unconsciously. Yeah, you know, I'd like to believe that we all wake up in the morning and approach our day with good intent. You know, I really want to believe that. But that being said, we are all also products of our upbringing and social groups and environments. So these stereotypes are all around us and they they absolutely have an impact. And uh, we bring that to work with us, of course. Unconscious bias can show up in our interviewing and hiring practices who we promote or who we don't, our development programs. I mean, there's all these different areas of our business practices where we have to be aware that this could potentially happen and this could potentially show up. And that's why, you know, education and awareness is so important and talking about it. And we try to be very intentional about that as part of our inclusion diversity strategy at Honeywell. Yeah, it's, it's just a really fascinating topic. Switching gears, I mean, I have to ask about the pandemic and COVID, even though I think we're all kind of sick of it. <laughs> no, again, no pun intended. How many times have we said that today? What, how has that changed your goals, changed your focus, maybe to the upside in some, you know, in some respects and obviously becoming more challenging? And part two of that question is just the, the great resignation. You know, Honeywell, my colleagues at Fortune 500 companies, friends, there's just a lot of people revisiting their lives and their careers and, and taking some time off. How, how these, how's the pandemic and kind of subsequent great resignation, if you will, uh, affected your, your goals and your job, both in a positive but also obviously challenging way? That's such a great question. And we spend quite a bit of time talking about this, of course, over the last, what is it now, two going on three years or so. Yeah, you know, I, I tell you, on the one hand, It is positive in the sense that we are able to, it's sort of democratized, if you will, connections, right? So instead of us having to physically go to a plant site or to an office location in other parts of the world once a year, twice a year, or maybe that didn't even happen, right? It really opened the doors for those kinds of relationships and connections to be developed through technology. So, so on, the, on one side, that is a that is certainly a positive benefit, and it also provided, for sure, a lot more flexibility, right? It's particularly in some of these industries where that historically has not been the case. You know, on the flip side, and I think this is a real con, real downside, is you know we've lost the relationships, we've lost some of that connectivity and that stickiness to companies, right, to each other. And, you know, through the hallway talk, through the hallway chatter, through the, you know, what did you do this weekend? It's, it, everything is scheduled. <laughs> so it's not as organic as those conversations used to be. You know, I tell you, you know, coming into to Honeywell um, in a virtual way, right, over the last year or so, I've certainly felt it. So you have to be even more intentional about creating those opportunities to make those meaningful connections, not just sort of those work-related connections, but meaningful connections. And that's where I think it helps with building that stickiness and that sense of community. Um, One of the things that I think has has helped us to some extent 
is really through our employee networks. You know, the way I talk about our employee networks, I mean, this is a way to make this, you know, at least for us, our 100,000 person organization and company feel smaller. So through our programming, through these networks, trying to be a bit more personal, focus a bit more on wellness and mental health, because that has been another um, unfortunate consequence, right, of um, Zoom fatigue. Uh, so I think those are the, some of the things that we're trying to do at Honeywell to to combat some of the, the cons that we've seen through this pandemic. Thankfully for, for Teams and Zoom, when we all were sent home, that was hugely helpful. And I, I felt like, wow, this is great. We're just as productive. And maybe we were, but we've had the marketing team in and out here the last couple of weeks. And even yesterday, we had a big crew in. And just that face to every aspect of your job, right? Just the face to face, the the humor, the quick discussion, the hey, last minute, let's walk around the block and go to lunch. It's just it's just very different. Yeah, and even the way we innovate, right? Being able to stand up at a whiteboard and and iterate off of each other, right? It's just you know it's not impossible, but it's harder, right? Um, to to do that in a in a virtual setting. So so those are the kinds of things that we really have to be thoughtful about as as we lean into. Uh, this next year and and through the pandemic, uh, we you know we we talk we call ourselves future shapers. That's part of our branding. What um for new young and career new hires at Honeywell? Are there any special communities or programs some that stick out top of mind for you? More for those that of, of us that are early in career or new to Honeywell. Well, you know, Honeywell, I would say that I'm a big, again, a big believer um, and big supporter and champion of our employee networks. They are open to everyone, um, regardless of tenure and demographic. And uh, I think these are great ways to get connected in a local community. So whether it's in one of our hub locations or around the world or cross-functional cross-functional teams. I mean, and an opportunity to connect with people that you may not ordinarily have connected with in your day-to-day job. So I think that's a big one for us. And we really try to get people connected to our employee networks early and as part of our orientation process. And so I, I would certainly point people there. Great answer. So Kia, thanks for joining us. I, I love asking one last question. I ask everyone this question on, on the podcast. Of course, this podcast is focused on the future so let me ask you, when you were younger, you know, depending on the age, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, this is another good question. Okay, so I initially wanted to be a legal secretary because that's as far as I could see in, in, in elementary school um, until someone, you know, sort of showed me what else was possible. And then I wanted to become a lawyer. But now, you know, I tell you, honestly, it's not so much about what I want to be. It's more about who. I want to be and the legacy I want to leave. So I certainly want to be, you know, a good mom, a good friend, a good leader, role model. And I really want to be a great future shaper, Bill. That's 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 my new thing. <laughs> I will tell you that that's by far the best answer we had you know, between you and I and, and this recording. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd like that one. <laughs> you have a, a wonderful and such an important job. Um, thank you for spending some time with us here this morning to record this podcast. And we really appreciate you joining us. It is absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for your partnership of what we do in Honeywell. And I'm hopeful this is helpful and um, look forward to connecting with more future shapers out there um, over the course of the next year. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Future Is. For more stories on the people and innovation shaping what's next in business and life, subscribe to The Future Is and leave us a review where you listen to your podcasts. 